Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. Let's turn our Bibles to book of Amos, chapter 5. We'll just read one verse there. We'll not have time to read more. Amos chapter 5, verse 5. But do not seek. Sorry, let's read from verse 4. 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Can we have this verse on the screen? Verse 4 says, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. You know, this morning, I just want to title my message as, Seek me and live. As Lord God is speaking through prophet Amos to the children of Israel, and he was telling this to the children of Israel, Seek me and live. You know, there are many things that God did not want them to seek. If they would have sought those things in their lives, they would have died. But instead, God is very particular and he was telling the children of Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not seek Gilgal. Do not pass over to Beersheba. And this morning, you know, I was praying to the Lord, Lord, what do you have me to say in this context? Because we need to a little bit understand the time in which Amos was prophesying. You know, there was a great purpose of God in the life of Amos as he was bringing these precious words to the children of Israel. As Joy mentioned this morning, Amos was a herdsman or a shepherd boy. And he was also a gatherer of fig fruit or sycamore fruit. He was a fruit gatherer and he was a shepherd boy. He was living in a Judean village called Tekoa. Think about Amos. God called him as a prophet. And before that, he was just, you know, going around in the wilderness, tending his flocks and collecting the fruits. That was his business. That was the job he was into. That tells me today, you know, God can call anybody. God can call anybody and he can anoint them as a prophet to the nation. And Amos was prophesying in a very crucial time in the land of Israel and in Judea. If you remember, the kingdom got divided into two kingdoms, the southern kingdom, Judea, and the northern kingdom, Israel. And King Uzziah was the king in the southern kingdom of Judea. And Jeroboam, the two, was the king over the northern kingdom. We can even date the time in which Amos was prophesying somewhere between 767 BC to 753 BC. Between this period of time, that means 700 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amos was prophesying these words to the children of Israel. 
Amos was announcing, if you read the whole book, there are nine chapters in this book of Amos. If you read all the chapters, this is what we will understand. Amos was announcing God's judgment upon the kingdom of Israel. He, even though he belonged to the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, he was pronouncing judgment upon the northern kingdom. And you know the history. The judgment came upon the northern kingdom first and then to the southern kingdom. And this is what he was saying. He was calling the people of God to repentance. Now God wanted the kingdom of Israel to come in repentance in terms with God. And he wanted to turn their eyes and their ears and their heart from being self-righteous and from being idol worshippers. You know, these two were the major sins in the land of Israel at that point of time. People were self-righteous. They don't want to stand before the word of God. You know, I, I, I come across people even today. They say that, I know for my conscience, I know what I do is right. But often we tell them that they need to, you know, look at the word of God because the word of God is a mirror in which we can see our image. The word of God is going to tell us whether we do right thing or we do wrong thing. People of Israel at that point of time, they were self-righteous and they were idolaters. Just want to give you a quick outline before we really get into this scripture. The book of Amos. Outside, if you look at the children of Israel, now they were very prosperous. They were exercising great power in that nation. But inside the nation, internally, they were so corrupt. You can imagine any nation who is worshipping the idols, you can imagine you know, how bad that nation must be. So inside the nation was totally corrupt. You know, these are the kind of sins that were found in the nation at that point of time. The sins of in, in that nation, Amos is pointing out in this book. He was saying that they were neglecting the word of God. You know, the number one sin today you and I can make is neglecting the word of God. You know, that's why we give so much importance to the word of God. This is a prophetical book. This is a prophecy that God has spoken to us already. The word of God, the people of Israel, they rejected, they neglected the word of God. Number two, they were idol worshippers. They were pagan worshippers. There were greediness everywhere. They were corrupt. Even the leadership was corrupt so much. And they were not taking care of the poor and the widows and the orphans. You know, these are the sins that God hates. Neglecting God's word. Worshipping idols. You know, being greedy, being jealous. And corruption inside. Corruption in the high places. Oppressing the poor. These are the couple of sins that God hates. And God was hating the children of Israel. And he was about to bring judgment at that point of time. And Amos was right there. Found as he was going behind the ship. As he was collecting the fig fruits. God found him. And he called him to this marvelous ministry. And Amos was asked to pronounce judgment upon the nation. If you read the book of Amos, you don't feel like reading it because it's all curse and judgment that is about to come upon the nation of his own nation of Judah and Israel and even the entire world. It was full of, you know, judgment that is about to come upon the nation. His only message was the judgment is very near. The judgment is very near. Only the ninth chapter, if you read the later part of ninth chapter, God says, I will restore the land. 
I will restore the remnant who are still left out. I will build my temple. Only in the ninth chapter, God is talking about the restoration. The entire book is filled with curse and judgment that is about to come upon the nation. Why there was judgment? Because people were rejecting the word of God. People were following idol worship. People were greedy and inside they were all corrupt and they were not taking care of their poor and widow. This morning, we don't have time to read everything. I want you to you know, turn to Amos chapter 2 verse 4. Some of the key verses we are going to read. Amos chapter 2. Verse 4, scripture says, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord, they have rejected the law, the Bible, and have not kept his commandments. Their lies led them astray, lies which their fathers followed. They were following, which is not true. You know, the moment we stop following truth, we follow, start following lies of the enemy. And lies don't come from God, but lies come from the enemy. That's deception. Let's turn to Amos chapter 9, as I talked about restoration. That's where God is restoring. restoring. Amos chapter 9 verse 14. I will bring back my exiled people Israel. They will rebuild the ruined city and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. As I said, the whole chapter is about judgment. And in the midst of all, the word of the Lord came to Amos. As we read in Amos chapter 5 verses 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal. Nor pass over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. You know, God is asking the people to seek him. You know, this morning, I just want to, you know, bring this to the church very clearly. Today, we appear to be a Christian. We appear to be a believer. We appear to be anointed in the Holy Spirit. But the question that you and I need to ask today, am I seeking God? Am I seeking God? You know, we can be a Christian. We can do so many activities at the church. We can stand here and preach the word of God. But the question you and I need to ask, am I seeking God? We can do all these things without seeking God. We can pray in the Holy Spirit without seeking God. We can read the Bible without seeking God. And this morning I'm here to tell you, how do we seek God and what exactly God wants us to do? Children of Israel, they were seeking God in the wrong places. They wanted to seek God. You know, they are very spiritual people. They have seen the work of God in their lives. They want to seek God. But they were seeking God in the wrong places. That's where God is telling, do not seek me in Gilgal. It was to be a good place, used to be a good place. But do not seek me in Gilgal. Do not seek me in Bethel anymore, not anymore. Do not seek me even in Beersheba. They think the blessing is going to come from Bethel and Beersheba and Gilgal. But God was telling, seek me, seek me and live. What is the Bethel in our life this morning? Bethel means house of God. Bethel means house of God. God's providence, God's presence is there in the house of God. If you remember, if I take you to the old history, Bethel is the place where 
trials and temptations come. If you remember Jacob, who was running as he was afraid of his brother, to his uncle's house, Laban's house. And on the way, when he came to Bethel, night he made a, took a stone and he made that stone as a pil pillow. And he slept in that night. And he saw a dream there. He saw a ladder. And angels ascending and descending in that ladder. It is a place where Jacob saw the vision. Jacob was blessed and he made a covenant in that place. And he said, Lord, I'm taking this stone and setting this as a pillar. I will make this as a house of God if you bring me back to this place safe. And if you later on, if you understand, God brought him back safe. And he made that as a house of God. Bethel was a house of God. But now at the time of Amos, if you look into the history, this is what you will find. Now God, now the God who is worshipped in Bethel is no more the same God. When the time of Jacob, when he set the pillar as an altar, and when he started worshipping there, he served the Jehovah. But now at the time of Amos, they were still worshipping there, but they were not serving the same God. They were serving idols. You know, in fact, the history says, the tradition says, they were going to Bethel every year to seek not for Jehovah God, but they wanted to go there to seek the golden calves. There are many golden calves there set up there in Bethel. It is no more the place of God. And that's where people go and worship. And the tradition say also, they went to Bethel only to consult the idol oracles. Idol oracles means the priest and the prophet serving as a medium. They don't receive from God. But they receive from those idols. They receive from devil himself. And they share the word to the people. And there are people lined up everywhere to listen to the word. You know, there's a caution here. It is good to go to a prophet. It is good to go and line up in front of a prophet. But we need to know from where he is prophesying, where he is getting, to which source he is connected. As long as he is connected with Jehovah God. As long as he is connected with our God, the triune God, it is well and good. But there are many prophets around today. They are not really connected with God. They are connected with so many spirits. Bethel was once a point of time. There was a ladder kept from earth to heaven. And angels were ascending and descending. But now, they were not seeking God. But they became idol worshippers. And God says, do not seek Bethel. The life of Bethel is really good. But if you are not very careful... That's where eventually we will be turning to. I want to take you to straight away to a New Testament scripture that will you know, describe it better. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verses 19 to 24. John chapter 4, verses 19 to 24. Jesus was sitting at the side of the well on the noon of the day. There came a woman by name Samaritan woman. Verse 19, John chapter 4 says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. 
Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, women, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is the hour when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You know, Samaritan women had a different idea about worship altogether. All that she knew was the house of God, the temple of God. All that she knew was the mountain that she saw there. But Jesus was right there to tell her, you don't need to really go to that mountain to worship me. You don't really go to the temple to worship me. It is time that everywhere people can worship me because they are worshiping Father in truth and spirit. Bethel was a house of God and eventually converted to a shrine of idols. Why? Because people went into a mentality of worshipping the sacred temple. Worshipping the sacred mountain. And word of God says God is spirit. We can worship him anywhere. That's why I say we can worship God in the bar. We can worship God in the pub. We can worship God in the dance club. We are not worshipping the temple. When we gather together as children of God, that's where the presence of God comes. That's where presence of God comes. And in the Old Testament, it was greater important to the temple of God. Now the temple of God is just a building. That's where we are able to worship here, God. It was a sports goods store a year back, two, two years back. And today it is a church. Wherever we go, wherever we get together, we can worship God. You know, God is changing the focus from the temple to the worship, the true worship that you and I can make to the Father. The more we give importance to the temple, the more we give importance to the building as such, eventually that led the children of Israel to idol worship. And here Jesus says that, you know, you need to worship the Most High because Scripture says in Acts 7.48, However, the Most High does not dwell in the temples made with hands. The Most High does not really dwell in the temple. When we are out of this place, this is an empty place. And the presence of God comes here the moment he walks into this presence. You know, that's a pure understanding you need to have. This is just a place, just a building the moment you walk out. But the moment you enter into this place, the presence of God comes right here. You know, that's because we carry the presence of God. We are the temple of God. We are the living temple. The presence of God doesn't really reside inside the building. It resides within us within us. We don't want to convert that into a idol. That's the reason God said, do not go to Bethel. Do not seek me in Bethel. Secondly, Gilgal. Gilgal is a place where if you remember, faith began. In Joshua, book of Joshua in chapter 5, we read that we don't go there. You know, there was a time God was providing the children of Israel with manna. Every day morning they come out, they go and collect manna. They don't need to cook. They don't need to buy food. They don't need to do anything. How many of us are happy now if you don't need to cook? I'm sure, yeah, see, look at the hands. <laughs> We've been sent also there. <laughs> we are happy if you don't need to cook. Children of Israel, they were very happy because they get manna every day when they come out. They can collect manna. 
But at some point of time, manna stopped. And manna stopped exactly at Gilgal. When children of Israel, they're passing through Gilgal, manna stopped. Forty years, children of Israel, they were in the wilderness. They have seen cloud by daytime and fire in the night. Cloud was protecting them and carrying them safe. No snow, no heat, no rain, nothing. They were protected by the cloud. At night, they were protected by a pillar of fire. Very cool, right? They don't need to do anything. Just get out and walk any point of time. They are safe. At, at Gilgal, scripture says, the cloud stopped. The fire stopped. And our children of God, they were asked to go by faith in Gilgal. Gilgal was the place where faith began. You know, many couldn't follow God from Gilgal. The many fell down because they don't have food. They, don't, they, they did not have the ability to trust God anymore. They couldn't trust God anymore. Faith started, began at Gilgal. Only very few. They believed God. You know, this morning as we read the scriptures, as we come to know about Gilgal, God is asking us to go by faith, not by sight. But this place, which was a beginning of faith, now at the time of Amos, scripture says, and the tradition says, that became a headquarters of idols. At the time of Amos, Gilgal became the headquarters of idol, idolatry. And eventually we know Gilgal got into captivity. Not only the inhabitants of Gilgal, you know, all the idols were taken as captive. And God says, do not seek Gilgal. Do not seek Gilgal. You know, if we continue to remain in Gilgal, the life at Gilgal is so good. Because we need to seek God just for food. Every day, manna. And every day, pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. We seek God for comfort and protection. You know, that's why many of us seek God today. Right? We follow God because we know if I follow God, He provides me everything. You know, that, that is the feeling being at Gilgal. But God wants us to take a step of faith and not to remain in Gilgal because if we continue to remain in Gilgal, eventually Gilgal is turned into a headquarters of idolatry. And God is telling us, do not just stay in that comfort zone. You are fed, you get food, and you are protected. You know, you do everything you know, by the grace of God, but under the protection of God. It is good to be there. But God is asking us to take a step of faith and move forward. Just read two scriptures. First John 2, chapter, verse 15. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Did you hear that? Do not love this world. You know, at times we become so much lovers of this world. But God is saying, do not love this world because we don't belong to this world. And the world doesn't belong to us. And when we go, we are, cannot take everything with us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know, at times we get filled with these things and we start loving the world. And this morning, you know, God wants us to hear once in a while, do not love the world. Do not love the things of this world. What is lust of the flesh? We want to experience everything to satisfy our flesh. What is lust of the eyes? We want everything that we see. What is pride of life? Walking with a prideful heart saying that I have everything. God bless me. God bless me. 
It is good to say God blessed you. But do not remain there. Do not remain there. God wants us to take a step of faith. God wants us to take a step of faith and move forward in the direction that God is showing us. Think about the missionaries. They were having food to eat. They were protected. They were in the safe environment. But there is a time in their life that they need to get out of their Gilgal. And God wanted them to go to the forest where there is no food. They need to starve. They, we serve a God who provides. But we serve a God who is also wanting us to take a step of faith. You know, God wants us to move forward. God doesn't want us to stay there in one place. If we stay there and if we continue to be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. Eventually what comes in our lives is idolatry. Idol worship. God is asking the children of Israel, move from Gilgal. And he is just pushing them away by stopping the manna. Have you come across that situation in your life yet? God stops that. He doesn't give. He doesn't provide that for some reason. He wants you to take a step of faith. He wants you to know, even still, God is in control of my life. God doesn't provide me. I don't have anything. I don't, I'm, I'm not blessed. I'm not privileged. I don't deserve it in whatever way we can put it. But are we able to still say, God is in perfect control of my life. That is the life at Gilgal. But God is saying, do not stay there. Beersheba, finally. Beersheba is around 50 miles away from Jerusalem, south of, southwest of Jerusalem. And if you take the route towards Beersheba, Beersheba is the last step there. And you cannot go further because it's wilderness, wilderness everywhere. So it was the last, last step there where people stop and then, you know, get into different other places. And Beersheba was an ancient sanctuary. It was very much associated with the patriarch like Isaac and Jacob and Abraham. You know, all this all that our forefathers, they are very much attached with Beersheba. But what is important this morning is God is telling, do not even pass over to Beersheba. There are many people, they were blessed. If you know the scriptures, Abraham who was blessed there. Hagar, he, she, she was blessed there in Beersheba. Jacob was blessed there. Elijah was blessed there in Beersheba. They all had life-changing encounter with the Lord God. They had spiritual encounters with the Lord God. I can't give all the examples. I'll give one example. But this morning, God is telling children of Israel, not even to Beersheba. Because Beersheba has become a shrine of idolatrous worship at the time of Amos. It became a rendezvous of idols. That's a meeting point of idols. Beersheba was a blessed place. God people had encounter with God. They got spiritual transformation taking place in their lives. God spoke to them. But now it has become an idol place. And God is telling the children of Israel, do not seek Bathsheba. You know, at times we get delighted in the spiritual encounters that we have with our God. It is good. Good to have that experience. But God is telling, do not stay there. You know, sometime in our lives, we want to go to the same church we want to go. Because there, if we go, you know, we see visions. We see, you know, God doing something in our lives. We see miracles. But God is telling, just do not stay there. Do not stay there. It is not your business. God has done that at some point of time in your life to enlighten you and make you to believe him more. But now it is time to move forward. Think about Elijah. Elijah had a great experience in Beersheba. He came to Beersheba as he, she was, he was afraid of Jezebel. He was on the run. He came to Beersheba and he walked the whole day in Beersheba, in the wilderness of Beersheba. And he came and slept down there 
thinking it's all done. He's about to be killed. But God sent this angel and scripture says, angel of God fed Elijah and he ate the food and he, what he did again. Yeah, just before that. First time he ate the food and he slept again. Right? Slept again. After a good food meal, we get a good sleep. That's what Elijah got. And again, the angel of God came and woke him up and said, Elijah, come on, eat it, eat again. Then he ate again and his scripture says, he traveled for 40 days and night until he reached Mount Sinai. You know, I'm talking about Bathsheba there. He had a spiritual encounter of the angel of God coming and waking him up and giving food to eat. Elijah could have stayed there. No. God wanted him to run for another 40 days and night until he reaches Mount Sinai. You know, at times we seek spiritual experiences, but we fail to seek God. At times we love miracles, but we seek only miracles. We fail to seek God. At times we want to receive voices. We end up in receiving voices every direction. But we fail to seek God. But this morning God is giving us a warning. Do not seek Gilgal. Do not seek Bethel. But do not seek Bathsheba. But seek me and live. And I don't know really how much sense it makes this morning. I don't really know what we are seeking today. But God is telling us to seek only him. Not even the temple. Not even the spiritual experience. Do not go behind the spiritual experiences. No, they are not going to take us anywhere. We need to go follow Jesus. God has called us as Jesus followers. Believers, disciples means followers of Jesus Christ. Followers of his teachings. God wants us not to go behind experiences. He wants us to seek. It's all important. Spiritual encounter is important. Prophecy is important. Miracles are important. But God doesn't want us to go behind that. God wants us to seek him. How we can seek God? I just want to give four scripture and they finish. Number one. God says, seek me diligently. Let's read Proverbs chapter 8 verse 17. And those who seek me diligently will find me. Listen to this. What do you mean by seeking him diligently? What do you mean by seeking him diligently? Sincerely. Morning, I want to ask a question to you. Do you seek God sincerely? I do not know. I know about me. I want you to answer about you. Do you see God sincerely? Or it is a show that we put up in front of people. When we seek God diligently, sincerely. When we love him from the bottom of our heart. I'm not saying that I do it every time. I'm asking that question even to me. Do we seek him sincerely? God wants us to seek him sincerely. Proverbs 8, 17. God says in Deuteronomy 4, 29, Seek with all your heart. Deuteronomy 4, 29. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When scripture says all your heart, it means all our heart. When we come to church, we appear to be seeking God, but when the weekdays when we get into the world, do you really think about God? At least few times. You know, these are the questions that I need to ask myself. 
God is not pleased if I put a picture in front of people. God is not pleased. God is pleased when I seek him full of my heart. If scripture says I need to seek him with all my heart, I shouldn't have any other place for anything else in my heart. Because scripture says do not love this world. That includes me, my wife, my children. Scripture. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart. We need to do what we need to do for them to make them safe, secure, blessed. But God wants our hearts to be given to him 100%. Totally sold out for God. Seek first, Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, that's what scripture says. Think about week, think about the weekday in our life. We need to do so many things to seek after what we need. We need to do all these things. We need to work. We need to study. We need to all, do all the responsibilities that God has given to us. But in the midst of all, are we seeking God first? If you seek God first, you give importance to the word of God first. Second, the assembling of saints. And third, serve him. Word of God and the assembling of saints and service. If we do that, that means we are seeking God. Finally, God wants us to seek even in our thought. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. You know, if in your mind, in your thought, if there is no room for God, God is calling you and me as wicked. We don't need to be sinful for that matter. We don't need to do the sins of the wicked people, what they do. In our thought, if there is no room for God, God is calling you and me as wicked. I mean, this is the word of God. And God says, asking, what are you seeking today? Are you seeking Bethel? Are you seeking a place, special place? You want to go every year, go and visit that place. Because you get blessed. Are you seeking that? Are you seeking some holy places, some ceremonial you know, things that you need to do every year, visiting that place? Are you seeking that? Are you do the pilgrimage every year without fail? Are you seeking that? God says, do not seek Bethel. It's no more the house of God. There is nothing like a house of God today. It is the house of God is the where the Spirit of God resides. Do not seek Gilgal. The question is, God is asking, are you seeking me for food? Are you seeking for good comfort in this world? The manna is going to stop at some point of time, whether we like it or not. The protection is going to get away, take, take it away some point of time. We need to live by faith. God wants us to take that step of faith. Do not pass over to Beersheba. He says, do not seek the spiritual experiences. Do not keep prophets as a medium. You know, I see, I've seen people going to the prophets just only to know what is going to happen next year in their life. Can you stop doing that, please? Can you start reading the word of God? 
Prophets are there to declare judgment upon the nation. That's the prophecy. In the throat in the word of God. Prophet is not there to tell what is going to happen in your life tomorrow. Do we seek God for spiritual experiences? This morning God is telling you, seek me and live. Outside death, death everywhere. Shall we close our eyes? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.